You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Mama roll over, this is what she said. Mama roll over, this is what she said. I'll give me some. I'll give me some. I'll give me some. I'll give me some. P.T. 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 Good for you. Good for you. Good for me. Good for me. Boonga. Boonga. Up in the morning to the rising sun. Up in the morning to the rising sun. Gonna run all day till the running's done. Gonna run all day till the running's done. Good morning and welcome to America's Web Radio. And that Jody can mean only one thing. And since we're playing a pre-recorded Jody, it can only mean one other thing. And that is our Jody singer, General Richard Dix, is out this morning. But uh, we have a good friend of ours that has been on a couple of times before, Mr. Bob Babcock. And he's the author of... Ready to Talk, and also is a uh, publisher. He has Deeds Publishing in Athens, Georgia, and we're delighted to have Bob on. Good morning, Bob. Good morning. Happy to be here. Well, we we got a lot to talk about, and uh, as always, it centers around, uh, this show centers around remembering Desert Shield and Desert Storm, and it's amazing to me, Bob, the, and the, we we started the show because of so many people had already forgotten it. And uh, when General Dix first came in, we started talking about it, and uh, that couldn't believe that, that people had forgotten, and yet they have. So we took it on at America's Web Radio that we're going to keep them remembering Desert Shield and Desert Storm. But beyond that, we're going to keep them remembering every veteran, no matter what they served in, when they served, how they served. And also, we extend that into our first responders. And uh, you wrote a book. I, I guess, let me ask you the question. I think I asked it once before. Have you ever met a veteran that told you one story? Uh, no, sir. Every veteran <laughs> is full of stories. They may only tell one at a time, but if you keep asking, they will talk forever. They will. It, it's like you wind them up and you can't turn the switch off. But that's, you know, that's the beautiful part of our country and the beautiful part of our heritage is the fact that we have these stories and we have veterans that have come back from incredible tours and, you know, I, I get worried about people that uh, aren't historians. We should all be historians. And if you don't know history, the old saying is that you're doomed to repeat it. And uh, I think this is something that our, our country, we have to uh, look back at our veterans and uh, look back at the stories they have to tell, be it your your grandfather, or nowadays it could be your grandmother for that matter. Um, but the stories are absolutely, personally I love them, and your book, Ready to Talk, is is a collection of Vietnam stories that uh, guys were ready to talk and ready to talk to you. And I, I think what you've done is just absolutely fantastic and everybody should get a copy of ready to talk particularly if you have a relationship either you were a vietnam veteran or your father was or 
your mother was. And when I say that, people say, oh, women. No, no, there are a lot of women that served in Vietnam, and unfortunately there are women on the... Uh, on the healing wall in the Vietnam Wall in Washington, D.C., that uh, gave the ultimate sacrifice in serving our country. And they should be acknowledged. And, and um, you know, I've made it a habit of if I, if I walk towards or see a veteran, whether I shake hands or not, but I'll at least offer a bow. And uh, I don't do a full, you know, bow. I just nod my head and, and let them know that I'm thinking about them. And, uh, yep. that's and, and, and that is important. And for, for us veterans, uh, it's important that we acknowledge that we are veterans. Uh, just Saturday afternoon, I was at a local gas station. I always wear the cap that is on the front of the my I'm ready to talk book. And this guy had a vet cap on. He immediately acknowledged me. I acknowledged him. Uh, asked him my typical question, what unit were you with? And he said the 24th Infantry Division. So I knew immediately that he was a Desert Storm guy. So he and I stood there for five minutes or so, swapping stories and acknowledging each other, and then walked away. Got probably never see him again, but a little more spring in my step because two of us with the common bond of serving our country when called on, acknowledged each other, and he walked away with a smile just like I did. That's uh, the brotherhood of the military, correct? Yep. It is. And it's, uh, you know, <laughs> this may really sound nuts, but I feel sorry for the folks that don't have that and don't, don't understand and don't appreciate what I just said, the brotherhood or sisterhood of, of the military, which is, and I, I started looking at this, several a couple of months ago i guess bob but you know as we were going through basic and ait or whatever uh whatever uh you went through or whatever anybody went through and you're you're going through it and you're young and you say why in the world are we doing this why did he just do that why did the first sergeant yell at me or this or that or whatever it happens to be but the military, I've decided, is the biggest psychological school ongoing on the universe. And there is a reason. And the psychology behind everything the military teaches one is just, I marvel at it. And it has, you know, it has filled and improved and changed and, and regenerated itself for years and years since the Revolutionary War. And, uh, you know, we've come full circle, and now we call it PTSD when shell-shocked and, you know, many other names were given to people that had served in the military and uh, had had a traumatic experience and 
had to work through a lot of things when they came back. And uh, certainly Vietnam was one of them. We, or folks saw things in Vietnam that were just absolutely unimaginable. And uh, it took it's taken a, a good while to work through them. Some people don't realize they have a problem until years and years and years later. And now we call it PTSD. And that extends over to our first responders as well to, as to the military. But your book and, and your title, Ready to Talk, and again, people, a lot of folks, unfortunately, don't understand what that means. And there's a, a deep, deep meaning to it that it has taken a lot of folks that time to get over it. But many Vietnam veterans won't talk to a stranger walking up that they've never met before and that aren't veterans. And it takes a veteran to talk to a veteran many times and and be able to relate each other's stories. Is this what you found as you were writing the book? And, and, and could... Oh, yeah. No, this is a... Uh, <clears throat> and the title is I'm Ready to Talk because the... The I'm is very important because that says to whoever is listening is I have carried this around with me for some period of time, whether it be a World War II vet, a Vietnam, Korea, or somebody recently back from uh, the Middle East. Uh, Maybe the day you come home, you're not ready to talk, but after a while, you are ready to share it, and you want to share it with fellow veterans who understand it. You want to share it with your family members, Um, and that's sometimes the hardest is to share it with family members because some of these stories are emotional, and you don't want to... You know, us tough guys don't cry in front of our families in many cases. I'm not one of them, but uh, but it's one of these things that you keep it to yourself because some of these are very emotional things, and then there's a lot of comical things. There, you know, it telling a war story, saying I'm ready to talk. You can sit here and go off in 360 different degrees and talk about a dog you ran into. You can talk about a uh, scary situation. You can talk about a dumb leader. You can talk about a stupid thing that I did, and I'm lucky I survived it. The list is endless. And then when you get a group of veterans talking, (laughs) they come together, and they all smile because they have a story very similar to yours. Um, with I'm Ready to Talk, the idea has been with me for years, and it's getting stronger now. Because um, every veteran has a story, and every veteran who goes, not, not a story, multiple stories, and every veteran who goes to his or her grave without leaving their stories behind are doing a disservice, number one, to their family, number two, to their unit, 
and number three to American and world history. Uh, all the piece parts come together to make us what we are, to let people understand the legacy we left. And uh, so that's why I'm on this kick. And in fact, I started a campaign in my Sunday school class the first Sunday of January of 2020. I said, this is a new decade. This is our roaring 20s. And this is the time that we who were born in the 30s, the 40s, the 50s, need to get up off our duff and start doing those things we have been putting off all our lives. And that list is endless. It may be a bucket list item. It may be traveling somewhere you have put off. Uh, it may be telling a story. It may be uh, finding a relative that you have been estranged from for years. You don't remember why, but I hate that son of a gun. It's time to fix that. So I'm really on this for those of us, and I imagine most of your audience probably were born in the 30s, 40s, and 50s. When you get the younger ones, they're sitting there looking, listening to us old men and say, oh, come on, you guys shut up. <laughs> but they're interested. They are equally as interested because they know the legacy that whether it be their World War II, now maybe it's their grandfather or their great-grandfather, or those of us in Vietnam, or those that have been fighting their war since the things blew up in the Middle East. Well, you know, it's people don't realize, and and I, I'm not sure. I don't know if you're aware of what's happened today, but uh, I keep stressing, and uh, like I said, history is very important, and we have to look at today. We're in a Cold War today that's more brutal than the Cold War we went through in the 50s. And I say that, and all it takes is a look at Venezuela, and all it takes is a look today at what's happening in the stock market and with oil prices and what Russia's doing has been planned for years, and it's going to affect all of us. And history repeats itself, and we best know history and know what's coming our way. And the best way to know history is to... I, I look at, at your your book, Bob, in that those stories, in many ways, uh, you could look at them almost like a training manual, a preparation training manual, man, uh, manual for what you've got coming or what we have coming or what our young folks have coming when they sign up to serve their country. And I... You know, the stories are just the stories. And I, I got to throw out one other thing. It's like you meeting the guy the other day in the in the filling station. But it's the, the buddies that you make in the military are there with you for life. And uh, it may be the common bond of sacrificing or it may just be the common bond that we made it. And they're there the rest of your life 
And I'm sure you've Absolutely. got friends Absolutely. like that. Your, your best friends of your life, for many of us veterans, are those that we spent not because we chose them, just because the luck of the draw and the decision of our country to send us somewhere at the same time, those became bonds because uh, you are in a situation unlike any other situation you'll ever be in in your life. Uh, So you don't have your immediate family around you. You have... uh, what used to be total strangers, but suddenly they're the ones you are dependent upon 24-7. You have to have their back, and they have to have your back, or odds are somebody's going to get hurt. Yes, sir. With that thought in mind, we're going to take our first break. and want to remind everybody that uh, this show, like many shows, are brought to you by the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame. And if you haven't been there go and if you're coming into atlanta go there and also want to remind everybody that march the 28th will be the dedication of the healing wall in john's creek and we're going to play a little uh ditty about that we'll be back right after this with bob babcock and talking about veterans and remembering them any and everywhere we'll be back right after this morning. My name is Mike Mizell. I'm a retired Army colonel and president of the Johns Creek Veterans Association. We meet in Newtown Park, and part of one of our projects is the installation of the Healing Wall, the half-scale model of the Vietnam Wall that traveled the United States. Well, it's coming to rest, and it's going to live in Johns Creek forever, the half-scale model. We're looking at a possibly a march implementation ribbon cutting ceremony and we're looking for donors and sponsors that want to help us in this great project you can donate at jcvets.org Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down docs4patientcarefoundation.org. That's D-O-C-S, the number four, patientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. This is America's Web Radio. Would you like to have a show, talk about your business, or express your opinion on America's Web Radio? Just email gm at americaswebradio.com and we'll get back to you. Thank you. And we're back on America's Web Radio. And whoops, wait a second, where did you come from? Well, shut him up right quick. Anyway, we're glad to have you listening to 
actually, it's a general Richard Dix show that we call Remembering Desert Shield and Desert Storm. He was a commander in both Desert Shield and Desert Storm, and uh, he had some um, business he had to take care of today and can't be in with us, but we have more than an honorable replacement filling in farm, Mr. Bob Babcock, that owns Deeds Publishing in Athens, Georgia. And um, he's also a writer. And uh, I guess uh, I guess another word would be compiler, maybe, Bob, uh, because you've, you've got a book out called I'm Ready to Talk, and it's all about uh, the stories from Vietnam veterans. And, you know, I, I can't imagine a, a young man, and I, I, I view this almost like when I was a kid and uh, we sat in front of a thing on Sunday afternoons and it was called a radio, and how could you sit in front of a radio and stare at it? It didn't do anything like a television. It just sat there and talked to you. But I can imagine as a kid... Taking your book or taking some of the folks that told you the stories, I would, and even at my age, I would be mesmerized by listening to those stories as uh, as the individual was telling them. And you know, uh, I we had a minister that uh, was a chaplain during World War II, and every now and then he would break into a story during his sermon. And um, I, I can remember Moss Roberts is, is the gentleman's name, and Moss would tell the story of, of coming over the hill and his driver, the Jeep would just barely top the hill, and, and he could see the steeple and the cross and what it meant to him as a chaplain. And and he was so graphic you could you could sit there in the sanctuary and and envision that and the same way with listening to the stories that folks told you i can i maybe it's just me but i i would be mesmerized by listening to these stories no i i think there are thousands hundreds of thousands of people who want to learn about their family, want to learn about the community they're from, want to learn about the country they're from. And while some people don't realize it, um, I heard my wife talking to our daughter uh, just recently telling a story about my wife's grandparents. Uh, and what it was like growing up with them. Well, I didn't know Jan at that time, so this was as fascinating for me to listen to that part of her life, and we've been married for almost 39 years. And while she was talking to our daughter, I learned more about my own wife of what is important to her, because you can hear the smile in her voice as she remembers those good people that are long since gone to their ultimate reward but there's still a smile and there's still lessons that have been taught by those people that she lives every day it's it's hard to beat memories 
and uh, you you think you can get rid of them, but you can't. Some you want to, but you can't. And the good ones are always there when you need them. And uh, I think this goes uh, probably, in some ways, I, w- I would stress the point that it it probably they're they're more important to the people that have served that that they can remember back when you yelled duck and they ducked or you put your hand on their helmet and shoved their head the helmet down over their head and made them duck or this or that whatever it happened to be it's it's uh, it's amazing and we we have to keep our our memories and we have to share them and that's the only way our kids will ever learn is by sharing our memories and um, i can appreciate what you were saying and and uh, it's we have to take care of our veterans, folks, and uh, that also extends over to the first responders. And I always put out a little deal that no matter where you are—airport, train station, bus station, whatever, wherever you are—you see a veteran, and it's going to make you feel better than it will he or she if you buy him a meal, buy him, a, or just if nothing else, go over and say thank you for your service. That means everything in the world that they they are appreciated, not just assumed, and not just uh, you know doing it for nothing. They're doing it for you and for your loved ones. So don't forget Desert Storm and Desert Shield. Desert Shield uh, was when we first went into Iraq and. Um, Desert Storm was finishing off what we started, or what Saddam Hussein started, I should say. But uh, it's very important, and uh, General Dix will be back next week singing his jodies. Now, Bob, you you retired uh, as a captain, is that right? Yeah, I didn't retire, but I got out as a captain. I spent two years active duty, uh, nonstop. I was went to Fort Benning for infantry and airborne school, then trained and retained troops out of Fort Lewis, Washington, took them to Vietnam, fought with the same unit the whole year, came home, got out of the Army, got on with my life, stayed in the reserves for about six years, I guess it was, Uh, then got into my uh, civilian career with IBM and got away from it but when i retired from ibm in 2002 is when i really got back into recognizing how important that stint in the army was i got very involved with today's army at the start of operation iraqi freedom and operation enduring freedom uh and you talk about Desert Shield, Desert Storm. I remember it very well when that happened. And then when I started dealing with the units from the 4th Infantry Division, which is my unit, uh, headed to Iraq for the first time in 2003, the leaders at the battalion level were guys who had gone into Desert Storm uh, as a platoon leader. In fact, there was a battalion commander that I became friends with who earned the Silver Star 
Uh, remember that was a hundred hour fight and, and he hit it hard. Uh, and he became a great battalion commander based upon his experiences in Desert Storm. Uh, Ray Odierno, who took the fourth division as commanding general, later as chief of staff of the army, was, uh, artillery. He was, had, uh, division artillery for the first cab during Desert Storm. So a lot of today's leaders and those that are recently retired, they got their experience in Desert Storm, and then they've continued it with uh, Iraq and Afghanistan and all the other hot spots they end up in. You know, again, and I, I've grown to... I've just gotten to the point that I don't say it, but people will say, well, I can just imagine what that was like. Well, no, you can't unless you were sitting there on the fender of the uh, whatever it happened to be. Uh, a, um, whether it was an ARP or whatever it happened to be, armored personnel carrier, a, you know, whatever. Yeah, armored, a, APC, yeah. Yeah, APC or whatever it happened to be, unless you were there been there done that then you don't have an idea or you can't imagine it and uh you know the the constant uh, it's like the difference between enlisted and and an officer and i again i can't imagine i was a grunt but i can't imagine uh, what the officer having the responsibility of x number of men be it in a company a platoon company battalion whatever it happened to be and that responsibility that you felt like it was your job to get every one of those people back to their homes and back to their families and out of harm's way, whatever it took to do it, you had that responsibility of doing it. And, uh, you know, like I, I said earlier, the, uh, the military is an ongoing psychology class. Uh, in my opinion, and you think, why are they doing this? Well, there's a reason for it. And uh, over the years, that reason has become more profound than ever. And uh, that it, it uh, affects the development of weapons. It affects the development of mobilized units. It affects everything. And uh, I think when was, i, I got to throw out a... a, a a thank you, sir, for our president that uh, on December the 10th, he signed into law the Blue Water Bill. And for those that don't know what the Blue Water Bill is, it was that our Navy and our, not only the Navy, but also our Coast Guard, which played a big role in Vietnam that a lot of folks don't know about, but they were in charge of running the waterways and different things and uh, many of them had come down with agent orange but the va was not recognizing it as a war problem and that well you were in the navy you weren't inland you weren't getting sprayed by agent orange and yet yes they were they were sitting on the coast and as the planes would come over and spray agent orange to defoliate the jungles of vietnam 
our Coast Guard and Navy and different personnel got sprayed just like everybody else did. And finally, they are getting the benefits that they deserve. And I applaud President Trump for signing that bill into law. It was well-deserved and, uh, and, and needed. And there are other many, many stories like that that, you know, out of the goodness of many hearts, they would bend over backwards if they just knew. And this is what we, we're we going to try to do and, and continue to try to do, let people know what they don't know. And I, I think your book, Bob, helps do that with the stories. Yeah, no, I, I agree. It, for those who aren't familiar with I'm Ready to Talk, it is 165 stories written by 117 veterans of the Vietnam War. Uh, it covers the period from 1964 when we had some advisors there and were just starting to send some troops in, some units in, and it runs all the way to 1975 when Saigon fell. One of my favorite stories, not because I like it, but it's poignant. A guy who, the day before Saigon fell, was taking South Vietnamese civilians, picking them up, packing as many as possible into a C-141 transport plane, taking them back to the Philippines. And the next day, he was on his way back to pick up another load and en route from the Philippines to Saigon, he was told, turn around, Saigon has fallen. So he aborted the mission and went back empty. And it makes you think, how about that 300-plus people they were going to put onto his airplane, but it was too late, so what happened to them? Did they go into re-education camps, whatever, so... That's just one of 165 stories. Uh, we also have stories from the wives who stayed at home, and they raised the families. They dealt with the problems that happen in any family's life, and all the time wondering, is my husband going to make it back? Uh, and... They are some excellent stories. Uh, so this book is, in fact, uh, Joe Galloway, uh, we were soldiers once and young, was in Atlanta doing some interviewing a couple of weeks ago of the, at the Atlanta History Center. And I was fortunate enough to be one of the guys he interviewed. So I made sure he has this book. And while I was filling out the paperwork, he was already starting to read it. And you could tell by the look on his face, he was enjoying what he was reading. And if there's anybody that knows a lot about the stories from the Vietnam War, Joe Galloway is one of those guys. <laughs> only, only one story, Bob? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. No. Uh, it's, uh, it's a uh, this this book 
Uh, we had our meeting last Tuesday, our monthly meeting of the Atlanta Vietnam Veterans Business Association, which is who the people are that have contributed to this book. And unanimously, everybody's talking about how their families are enjoying it, their wives are enjoying it, because they're hearing, reading stories that don't get told. And now the people are, it's out there, and they're comfortable of not only telling the story or two they have in the book, it is, let me tell you a few more. Or the, <laughs> their family members or their friends say, hey, you told me about this, now tell me about something else that happened. You know, um, do you ever so wonder... One story leads to many stories. Do you ever wonder, like, as you well know, I have a son that's uh, in the Air Force serving in Germany, and uh, it's, I, I, again, I'll be the first to say, I can't imagine what it was like during Vietnam, Korea, World War II, of waiting on that letter. I, I've stood in line waiting at mail call, waiting to see if I got a letter, and this was um, well before cell phones and our Skype and our Messenger or whatever, but it was uh, this yesterday, as a matter of fact. I got to talk to and, and see my son that's in Germany, and we try to do it at least once a week. And it's, you know, he's, quote, unquote, not in harm's way. It's not like he's in Vietnam or anyplace else. He's, he's at a base in Germany, and a very safe base, I might add. But still, I miss him. My youngest son and I, I love him dearly, but I can't imagine what a serviceman went through, our woman, our wife, in World War II or even in Korea and, and in Vietnam of waiting on those precious, and I mean I am serious as a heartbeat, precious letters and care boxes that were sent from home and I, I, Bob, I can bet you were just as anxious as uh, as the eighteen-year-old kid next to you that was waiting on that to hear Babcock. Yep, and no question. In fact, my uh, I was a platoon leader, so I should have had a little bit of preferential treatment, but I didn't. My <laughs> platoon sergeant Frank Roth was a uh, crusty old. Uh, Korean War vet who in fact spent 27 months as a prisoner of war of the North Koreans mm. uh, but anyway uh, he wasn't going to cut me any slack so when it came mail call he didn't pull my mail out first he just <laughs> whenever it came to it So, but my wife started sending uh, letters in a bright pink envelope <laughs> and it stood out in the mail bag and he would pull it out, hold on to it, get that grin of his that I learned to like so much <laughs> on his face. And he said, Lieutenant, you want it now or you want me to wait a while? <laughs> and, uh, you know, these are experiences and stories that stick with you because he knew how important that letter was to me. And 
everybody who has ever served in the military, whether peacetime, wartime, Cold War, whatever, uh, there's stories to tell, and every vet sitting around will nod their head, and they can come back and give you a similar story. So any veterans listening to this and any families of veterans listening to this, folks, you can't wait forever to tell your story. Uh, every day, somebody's going to die unexpectedly or expectedly. And if you don't get your story told, and there's more than one, what you don't have to write it down. You can do it by recording it on video, on audio, even if you do nothing more than sit down and tell a story to your grandkids, they won't remember all the details, but at least they've heard you tell it, and they will remember piece parts of it. So don't think that what you did, wherever you were, whatever your job was, was not important. In the I'm Ready to Talk book, we have people who never saw a shot fired in anger, and they have some of the best uh, stories in there. And we who were in a combat job appreciated those that we depended on, because I don't care where you are, if you don't get paid, uh that's a bad day for you so the guy that was the pay clerk was equally as important as the guy that carried the rifle every day and, 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 the, and the most important what I try to do is pull all these stories together to show the total the total picture of our military and the most important person of that company was the one that had the cross on his helmet the chaplain they yeah. could they, they could literally move mountains if they needed to. It was amazing what they could do. You know, I, I want to throw out a plug too, uh, Bob, if you don't mind. Um, I I don't know if uh, Vietnam Veterans Association or Business Association has access to it. I know there are some some folks that do. I I think our church does. I'm not real sure, but I think they do. But you know. Even as short a time as I was in, and we were talking about mail call and how important it is, you know, it was a gut-wrenching feeling to get a letter from home, and you look around, and one of your buddies or two of your buddies or got passed over and got nothing. And you wanted, you know, you had many times many guys shared their letters, but at the same token, you just, God, if... if if Dan would just get something, you know, or so and so would just get something, and you didn't, you didn't, I'm sure you felt like that. Uh, if you're not human, if you didn't, quite frankly, but oh, beyond absolutely, that, absolutely right. And, and uh, there are there are organizations that uh, you know kids can write letters letters to uh, the troops or women can or whoever wants to and even if you don't know the person just saying hey we're we're thinking about you and how important you are in protecting our country and your love for our country and we thank you for that and if you'd like to write me back become a pen pal or whatever the hell you want to call it 
Yep. But I tell you, I tell you what. Let me throw out something. You may or may not be aware of this. You just triggered an idea with me. There is a couple over at Mount Bethel United Methodist Church where I was a member before I moved to Athens. But uh, Ed and Mary Ethel, he's a retired Navy captain, which is equivalent to an Army colonel. Uh, they started Project Mail Call at the beginning of the Iraq and Afghanistan wars. Here it is. That was 2003, 2002. Here it is, 2020, and they are still running mail call, package sending, letter writing two or three times a week. They will bring in civic groups, church groups, high school groups, junior high groups, organizations who will pack packages in a priority mail large box, ship them off all over the world. It might be a ship at sea. It may be an unknown, undisclosed place, maybe going to a special forces group somewhere. You can't say where they are. And they've done this. He's got a record of how many packages and how many tons of stuff they have sent. And the value of the letters that come back, the emails that come back as a result of people receiving this stuff is phenomenal. And if you haven't talked to Ed, after we're offline here, I'll give you his information. And you ought to have him on some of your shows to talk about that. I started to say, I've always felt uncomfortable as a sergeant giving an officer an order, but Bob, I want you to send me the information how I can contact this gentleman and have him come in and do a show with us and oh, yeah, probably absolutely. more than one show and, and, and both he and mary are as dedicated to this thing as anything i've ever seen i mean they are true american patriots is is he a vet by chance or do you know oh, yeah yeah he's yeah. vietnam vet oh, okay. fact, he, he was on a ship when the gulf of tonkin started in 1964 so he's got lots of Vietnam stories uh, from a Navy point of view. But more more importantly, he is practicing what he preaches because a veteran understands there is no end date to when our country needs our service. No. Sometimes you're carrying a rifle or cooking a meal or running, flying an airplane but all the time you need patriotic Americans looking out for other other Americans, whether they're patriotic or not, waving the flag and letting people know freedom is not free. We've got our first responders, our firemen, our military every day taking care of us, and we sure should show our appreciation for that. Amen. And Mariette will do it all the time. Well... Okay, you got your assignment, sir. Got it. <laughs> I, I look forward to talking to them, and I'm more importantly, I look forward to them being on and and the job that they're doing. And uh, we'll do uh, we'll do whatever we can to support them. And uh, with that being said, we sort of passed over a little break here, but I wanted to mention the fact that this show is. Uh, brought to you by and dedicated to the 
Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame. It's downtown, and it's not hard to get to, and the parking is there. And it's it just if well, I'll I'll tell you like Rick White will tell me, you better bring your own box of Kleenex. You start reading the stories of the the folks that have given their ultimate for you and me and for our country, and you just they're they're all heroes and anybody that uh, is has been inducted into the hall of fame i don't well let me ask you bob when you raised your hand did you know what you were getting into nope i I sure wasn't going to vietnam we didn't have a bunch of people in vietnam when i went in but i didn't know but i was ready to do it yeah, and th- I think this is the attitude that that uh, okay. I just uh, I just gave the government my my life as a blank check to do with as they see fit, and uh, uh, some of us were fortunate and didn't go. And I always make it a point: I did not serve in Vietnam. I served during the Vietnam era, but I did not go to Vietnam. A lot of friends of mine uh, did, and a lot of them are on the healing wall. And, uh, again, I want to point out that the healing wall, the 50% replica of the Vietnam Wall in Washington, D.C., will permanently be located in Johns Creek and uh, in Newtown Park. And this has all come about by the Johns Creek Vietnam Veterans Association and by your organization that you mentioned, the business, Vietnam Businessmen's Association, and and a lot of volunteer time and donations. And this is uh, the stories that you just hear about people that have gone to the wall, and it is a healing wall. And Roger Wise, who I think everybody, in fact, I think Santa Claus drops off at his house first probably, but Everybody knows Roger Wise, and he has a healing wall story that'll just put you to your knees. And it's this is what our country needs, and this is this is, I guess, me on my soapbox. But folks, we're not white, black, green, purple, anything. We are Americans. And we've got to get back to realizing that we're all Americans and that we owe our current military and our veterans the fact that we can say that. We can be on the air. We can be Americans. And we have to respect our country as Americans. And right now we've got a heck of a job to do on young folks and uh one of the things that I always mention is the fact that if you're graduating from high school or college and you haven't decided quite what you want to do yet, the military is an excellent, excellent choice. And everybody, oh, I don't want to go get shot. You're not, you know, we're not at war, and yet what you'll learn in the military, you couldn't learn anywhere else. Order, discipline, the respect for your brother, the respect for your sister, the military you should look into. So with that being said, am I totally crazy, Bob? Nope, you're absolutely on track. Well, where can folks pick up your I'm Ready to Talk book? Well, it's available 
in paperback and ebook from Amazon or any bookseller because it's distributed worldwide through Ingram. You want an autographed copy, you can get it through me, uh, which is deedspublishing.com. But anyway, it's a great book. There's also a hardcover version, which I don't have out in the wholesale uh, uh, distribution, but I've got hardcovers if you're inclined, but I happen to prefer paperback or e-books myself. Well, I want to... www.deedspublishing.com By the way, that's D-E-E-D-S, correct? Yes, sir. And um, it's a it's a great winter book, and I'm sure it'll be a great summer book out on the porch, reading. And it's and it's so important to know the stories and and know what what your neighbor saw, what your neighbor felt, and uh, you know the. What it meant to put the dog tags on, and uh, and I'm sure Bob, you appreciate this. Uh, you know, why did they have the rubber tags on the dog tags, so you wouldn't rattle as you were going through the the marshes or wherever you happen to be. And uh, there's a rhyme and a reason for almost everything. I think the one of the stories that I like, or not don't like actually, is the ones about when we first went into Vietnam, either as folks that were giving advisors or as infantry as they started going in, and they were wearing uh, regular insignias, uh, either sewed on or, uh, and they were bright bright yellow for uh, the butter bars or uh, the railroad tracks and uh, we wised up quickly that those made those were great targets for the Vietnam so all of, for the Vietnamese so they uh, decided we needed to come out with camouflaged insignias and we did and uh, we're still using them today and uh, they even changed them a little bit for Desert Shield and Desert Storm because the bright green stood out, too. <laughs> so we, uh, we live and we learn, and we are the most fortunate country in the world that we can adapt. And um, everybody that served in Vietnam adapted and adapted to things that you would never ask a human being to adapt to in many cases. And, uh, Bob, I want to thank you for your service in Vietnam and for the men that you got home safely. i tell you what, it, it was the most memorable year of my life. Uh, and I might also throw out here real quickly, uh, the 29th of March, which is a Sunday, is National Vietnam War Veterans day that was proclaimed a couple of years ago by the president and um, so if you want to read a little bit about Vietnam before you get to that uh, and there will be a lot of events going on around the country Uh, Atlanta's got things you mentioned the Johns Creek uh, Veterans Park dedication on Saturday the 28th 
uh, good time to read about this and be up to speed more is to get a copy of I'm Ready to Talk by Robert O. Babcock. Quickest way to get it probably is to order it from Amazon. Uh, but again, if you want a autographed copy, order it from www.tpublishing.com and I'll get it in the mail to you the day that I receive your order. And it's something that everybody should read. And, you know, I could see a Vietnam veteran reading it and smiling and remembering and his grandson or granddaughter sitting there with him and reading it to them and and he or she being able to say, you know, it's like like Donna Rowe that uh, was a nurse at a triage um, center in Vietnam. She was the uh, commanding officer there, and her stories are just absolutely fantastic. And the lives that she saved as a, as a triage nurse just will absolutely blow your mind. And, uh, you know, it just, it just goes on and on and on. And, uh, Bob, I hope that uh, this has helped a little bit, and a whole lot actually, but uh, I always ask, and I ask you the last time, will you come and be back on with us again? Not I'm not unless you ask me, but if you ask me, you called me yesterday, and how soon did I get on? Today. <laughs> so, yeah, I'll do it. Okay. <laughs> well, you can even come by and see us, and if you come by at the right time, I'll buy you a lunch because you're a veteran. And, uh, I'll take you I, up on that. I'd uh, be honored to have you as my guest uh, for lunch, and, uh, you know, we just – it's one of those things that I – for lack of better words, we all got to stick together. It's not your fight. It's not my fight. It's our country that we're fortunate to live in and be a part of. So, with that being said, I'm going to have to put the plug in the jug and uh, get ready to get out of here. And once again, thank you for being a part of America's Web Radio. And General Dix, I, he may have just taken off this today just to sort of tune up his vocal cords or something. I don't know. But he'll be back singing Jody's, I'm sure, next week. And uh, we, have a, we have a lot of comments. I never anticipated sitting across from a general that was singing a Jody. <laughs> but I can hear it. Yeah. I, I'm glad he does, and it's a... It's a honor to know uh, General Dix. He is a fine, fine example of what you can, what anybody can do, and he's done it, and uh, we appreciate it. So with that being said, we're going to put the plug in the jug, get out of here, and next week we'll do more of Remembering Desert Chill and Desert Storm, and come to see us, Bob. All right. Take care, Dave. Yes, sir. Bye. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.